My Car Guru, episode 180. Good morning, everybody. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. I wish I could show you this picture I'm looking at right now. It is a picture of my grandmother holding my mother. Now, my mother was born in 1930. and uh, But they're sitting in a car, and the door is open on this car. It is a two-door a convertible car of some time. Of course, the top is up because it's in the middle of winter. And they've got chains on the back of this car. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure what kind of car this is. All I can see is the door, the top, the rear quarter panel, and the wheel with chains on it. I cannot decipher what this is. It is so frustrating because I just need to know, you know, because I am a car guy. And I'm supposed to know, but I cannot for the life of me, figure it out. Uh, I was digging through some more of their old pictures. As I've been saying, I've I've been moving uh, out of my mother's house and just discovered a plethora of photographs. That's really an inaccurate or non-accurate description. It is way more than a plethora. It is a vast abundance. But it's been such a treasure. I found some pictures from 1956 of a NASCAR race, believe it or not. I wonder if it was called NASCAR in 1956. Probably was. Um, Here's a picture of a 1955 Chevrolet with the the number 150 written on the side of it. I don't think they do numbers that high anymore. You know, I was looking on the uh, right front fender of one of these things, and it said Smokies. I was wondering if that was Smokey Eunuch, who used to be a, a famous engine builder, I know on one fender on this Ford, I can see it says Yadkinville, North Carolina. You know, is that not the center of NASCAR even today? Um, So these are just the kind of little discoveries that I've been making. Speaking of discoveries, I'm getting ready here in just a few days to head to Las Vegas for one day uh, for a one-day Ford meeting where we will, I think it's at the Bellagio, and uh, maybe it'll be worth going just to watch the water dance again. I doubt it. But uh, we're going to find out what Ford is going to do to us Ford dealers. Well, the reason I say that, what, is, what they're going to do is because, as I said, they're splitting the company into two divisions, one to uh, be kind of Tesla-like, where they'll sell all of their electric vehicles, like the F-150 Lightning I was driving around this morning. So you'll be able to handle most of the transaction on your computer, or even on your smartphone. And you won't have to go to a car dealership and and deal with those salesmen. But, you know, that's my preference. I like dealing with salespeople. Uh, I understand them because I have been one for many years. I'm still a salesman, and I'm proud of it. I think uh, I've learned a lot from salespeople. Uh, You know, you'd have a salesperson that has excellent product knowledge, he can help educate you and help you buy, make the right buying decision. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of hoodlums out there that uh, don't do it the right way and really don't practice or, or learn anything about the product. You ever been to buy a car and you actually know more about it than the salesperson does? Well, that person is not taking their job seriously. You wouldn't believe all the tests that we have to take to stay on top of the product because it, it's changing at a rapid pace. It's like a fire hose. Uh, especially when the new models come out. It's just crazy. Of course, right now the new models are starting to, uh, well, they're being produced right now. 2023 models are already being produced, and many of them are being shipped. There's several automakers that are already selling 2023s, 
and you can rest assured that they'll probably be more expensive than the 2022 models. So you're going to want to protect your new 2023 whatever, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. Now, before previous shows, most recently, I've been talking about protecting your wallet when you go in to buy a car especially when you go into the finance office because of all the different things that they offer, many of which are great, but also many of which are way overpriced and uh, should never be included in your monthly payment unless you know about it. So anyway, we won't go back on that, but I do want to talk about uh, things that, that you can do, some pretty hot trends that are in the market right now as far as paint protection. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Okay, so you got that shiny new car or truck or SUV, and you want the paint to stay that way. I mean, I do. I just, uh, they brought my Ford, 65 Ford Mustang down here to the Ford store. It's been up at my restoration center across town, and uh, it's got a brand new paint job. And, well, that's kind of an understatement. It's been completely turned into a new 1965 Mustang. But the paint is new, and uh, they're getting ready to do the wiring down here at Gateway Ford. That's why I brought it down here. So uh, I've got a wiring harness that's brand new. We're jerking out all the old stuff and putting in a brand new one. It's got all modern headlights and, you know, all, everything's new, basically all the, the trim and the uh, lenses and side markers and taillights and all the chrome is new. Um, very expensive. And I will probably, if I were to sell that car uh, anytime soon, I would lose, you know what, because I've it just got completely out of control, and uh, that's what I tend to do when I'm restoring cars. I I really didn't turn it into an exact copy of what it was in 1965. I did make some modifications, one of which was a much more powerful 289 V8. Um, so that's going to be something that uh, when I put my foot on the gas, he's going to go. But still, not like the F-150 Lightning. You know, it's probably, my zero to 60 time would probably be, I don't know, six, six and a half seconds, which was quick back in 65. Uh, that's slow today. That's like a Nissan Altima today. But I want my paint to look good for the long term. And you want your paint to look good for the long term. Should you just buy the car and take it through the car wash every now and then and, you know, just keep it clean and... Um, and then trade it in four or five years. Well, you can do that. Um, you're going to have a inferior-looking paint job if you do that. Car washes are the worst thing in the world. I'm talking about the automatic car washes. It's the worst thing in the world to do to your car, um, to your paint finish. Now, I'll probably get sued for saying that, but you know all those brushes and everything that are beating on your car? Well, they were beating on the car before it, and it was dirty. And so, um, you know, they probably have some kind of sophisticated rinsing system that they say that will keep, you know, microscopic particles out of the, you know, from scratching your car, like bits of sand and glass and rocks and so forth. But I just don't buy it. You should hand wash your car. But you don't have time for that. So what other things can you do? Well, you can protect the paint. Now, the old-fashioned way to do that as far back as the 19th century, horse carriage owners applied wax to the carriages, and they still do that. Um, 20th century companies began formulating some different waxes to protect the paint. Uh, carnauba wax and beeswax are the uh, 
uh, natural car wax choices that you can use today. Carnauba is the longest lasting, but all waxes are the same basic properties. All car waxes act like a protective layer on top of your paint. Makes it look really good and makes the water bead off of it really nice. Uh, just feels smooth. It's easy for the average co uh, customer to apply it to his own car. That's why it's a very popular option. But the thing about car wax is that it breaks down after a few months. And so, you know, if you're going to do a great job and keep your car protected, and every two months you need to wax your car. Well, who wants to do that? Not many people. So another option is to use some type of a car paint sealant. You know, these are sold a lot at car dealerships, and they are always, always overpriced because they're trying to add additional markup onto the window sticker. So they'll, they'll charge $9.95 or $14.95 for paint sealant and fabric shield when it's actually about $29 worth of stuff, maybe a little bit of labor as well. So, you know, don't buy that stuff. If they say it's on it, tell them to discount it off of that because you're not paying for it. Uh, the sealants, though, can really do a good job for your car. They, they do result in a high-quality shine. Uh, they do offer protection from the sun's UV rays. Things like tree sap and harmful environmental stuff. Uh, acid rain, which was a big problem back in, in the 80s and 90s. My gosh, we would get these new vehicles in and they, the paint would already be etched with acid rain. And that's when they started putting the plastic. You know, you see a lot of cars that, that are shipped today. They have white plastic on, the, on all of the uh, horizontal surfaces. And uh, that's side to side, in case you're not sure what horizontal. You know, sometimes you have to explain stuff to people. But anyway, on the horizontal surfaces like the hood and the top, you'll see this white plastic that we peel off before we put them out there on the lot. And uh, that, that was to uh, combat acid rain because the manufacturers were having to pay for warranty claims uh, for acid rain because it ha the damage was done before it arrived at the dealership. So... Um, that's something that uh, you don't have to worry about if you have plastic all over your car. But you don't want plastic all over your car unless it's the right kind. So you can put paint sealant on it, and it chemically bonds to the surface of your car, and it will last a lot longer than car wax and provides better protection. These products are easily applied, and uh, they do a really good job for a while. But there again, it, you know, whereas wax is going to last two months, this is going to last maybe a year. So there are some other things that a lot of people are doing. One of them is called paint protection film. Now, back in 2016, I bought an Alfa Romeo 4C, and that was just a it was a fiberglass-bodied vehicle that, well, I don't know if it's fiberglass. It was really kind of a plastic material, and it had a completely carbon fiber tub frame and all that. It was a yeah, probably a $50,000 car. Uh, today, it's worth even more than that. It's one of the few cars that actually, new cars that actually goes up in value. But the uh, 4C was just a, a hoot to drive. But one of the things that people who buy those things used insist upon is they want paint protection film on those cars. And that protects it against rock chips and bugs and stuff like that. So what I did is I put it on the, the front bumper, the hood, the front fenders, and the mirrors, and then there was a little strip that went over top of the windshield that I put it on, too. I didn't put it all over the car, because a lot of people do that. But just doing what I did was about $1,500, so you can imagine what it costs to do it to your entire vehicle. But basically, you're putting a transparent vehicle wrap on all the body panels. It's a urethane film. 
It protects the car from minor scratches, road debris, rock chips, um, and it is top-coated with ceramic. So believe it or not, this thing is self-healing. So if it gets a minor uh, chip in it and it hasn't reached your paint yet, then it will heal itself. Isn't that awesome? So it gives your paint uh, protection uh, and can do it for your entire car. It's the ultimate protection against UV rays, harsh weather conditions, uh, minor scratches and rock chips and so forth. Um, I actually put on that 4C, I put it on the, the uh, just above the rocker panel. You know, when you open up the door, the, the bottom part there. It was a place where it was really easy to drag your foot across, and I, was, I noticed that I was getting scuff marks on there. I said, hmm, I think I'll put some PP. F right there, and I did, and it works. I ended up selling that car, doing really well on it, but it was uh, it was fun to drive. But one of the things that helped sell it, the guy said, does it have PPF? And I said, yes, it does. Not on the whole car. He said, I don't care about the whole car. So another thing that you can do is called ceramic coatings. Now, this sounds like I never could really wrap my head around this until I did some research but it is a great level of protection. It's not cheap either. Not quite as expensive as uh, PPF, but it's close. And basically, it's a durable synthetic chemical that bonds with your car's paint, and it really does provide excellent protection. Again, I think it's one of those things that people overcharge for, but they kind of have a monopoly on it. It's got nanoparticles inside the compound that seals the tiny pores in your car's paint. So if you look at your paint under a microscope, it doesn't look totally flat. It looks more like the Grand Canyon. And there's big old pores, or maybe like the surface of the moon. That would be a better analogy. But it does, uh, it fills those up. So that makes a big difference. It's a very high gloss shine. And that's what makes ceramic coatings very popular. They are semi permanent. That's an interesting term. That means that they'll last a long time, but not necessarily forever. They perform better than and much longer than waxes or sealants. But unlike the PPF, it does not protect against uh, minor scratches or rock chips. So what a lot of people do, believe it or not, is they'll put PPF. They'll put the film on their car, and then they'll put ceramic coatings on top of that. Now, on a, uh, I saw a guy do a post on a Corvette forum. And he paid 14000 to have this done to his car. Now, I would say that, you know, re- what's a reasonable price to protect your paint finish? You know, if I buy a car, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I'm probably just going to hand wash it and put waxes on it. Uh, I'm not going to worry about minor rock chips on my F-150 or if I was driving a Buick Rendezvous. You know, I really don't care. Now, if you're driving a Ferrari or a Porsche, maybe, um, if you're driving, you know, if, if whatever you're driving really means just the world to you and you want to protect it, then go ahead and spend the money. I just think it's kind of a waste um, to go too hog wild on a car like a Hyundai or something. Not that there's anything wrong with Hyundais, but it's really not going to add anything to the value. Whereas if you're driving a BMW and you want to sell it to somebody, it's very likely that if they know anything about cars, they're going to say, does it have PPF? Have you ceramic coated it? You know, it's almost like they're um, snobs when it comes to paint finishes. But anyway, ceramic coatings are way better. Uh, they don't last forever, but they do last a long time. So that's a good option.
You know, like I say, you can use multiple products, but then I think that's kind of overkill. Just got to decide how important it is to you uh, to do this because, um, like I say, it's not cheap. It is it is way more than buying an extended warranty on your car, and I'd much rather buy an extended warranty on my car than, um, than you know, do something to protect the paint. Manufacturers going to stand behind the paint for, you know, probably, well, most of them guarantee against rust-through for five years, uh, regardless of mileage. And I don't know when the last time I saw a modern car rust. Of course, the, the F-150 can't rust because it's made out of, a, it's got an aluminum body. Uh, and you'll see a lot of aluminum on a lot of different products. A lot, Most of the hoods that are on modern cars, hoods and deck lids, um, rear hatches, that's a big old piece of metal, and they like to make those out of aluminum which can still be protected by all of this film. It's the paint that you're protecting. So anyway, I'll uh, move on. We'll be back in just a minute. Okay, that was a quick minute. Something else I want to bring up that uh, a service customer brought up to me the other day. They had a pretty, they're facing a pretty big repair bill. Now, automotive repairs are made up of two basic big components, labor and parts. And sometimes the labor can be the majority of a bill, or it can be the small part of the bill if you're just installing a very expensive part. Now, when it comes to labor, the, the labor rate is a posted rate in the dealership. It is based on a labor time guide, which is produced nationally for all dealers and all repair shops. There's two, well, there's multiple different companies that produce these labor time guides, but it says um, that you should charge a customer, for example, one hour to do a tune-up or one hour to do a brake job or three hours, whatever it would take, you know, 15 hours to replace, to uh, remove and reinstall a new engine. So I don't care if you're you know, getting your vehicle serviced at the repair shop, independently owned repair shop down the street or at a new car dealership. They all use the labor time guide. The big difference is the labor rate. That's the other variable. So what do they charge per hour? Well, you just take that hourly rate and multiply it times the labor time guide, and that is what they're going to charge as, in terms of labor to do your repair. Now, what about parts? Well, if you go to a new car dealership, more than likely, well, if you don't specify you want aftermarket parts, they're going to put OEM parts on the car. What does that mean? Original equipment manufactured parts. This is what was installed on your car when it was new. So if you get OEM brake pads, that's what came on your car when it was new. If you get aftermarket brake pads, then that's what's coming from Advance Auto Parts or Napa Auto Parts or somebody like that. It's not coming from the manufacturer. Now, I've heard some independents claim that, well, the parts are the same. They're, they're made by the same manufacturers, just one of them's sold through General Motors and the other's sold through Napa. Sometimes, quite frankly, that is true. Uh, I have actually seen some aftermarket parts that were as good or better than OEM parts. So are OEM parts more expensive? Most of the time they are slightly more expensive. And it used to be that, that they were 60% more expensive. But that's changed because the manufacturers have figured out if they want to sell a lot more parts, they got to get their pricing in line. Ford uh, used Motorcraft parts, but they also have this line. Now, those are all for Fords, okay? But they also came out with a line called Omnicraft. That is their aftermarket parts line. So if somebody comes into a Ford store, 
driving a Chevrolet and they want Chevrolet brake pads or they want a Chevrolet alternator or whatever parts they need on their vehicle, then we can provide that through, through Omnicraft. Uh, other manufacturers have the same thing. So, you know, it's really hard for me to recommend that you uh, use uh, OEM parts over aftermarket parts, but you need to make sure that if they're made in China, then you need to worry about it. So uh, that's something that I would, you know, just discourage. We have a lot of issues with with foreign-made parts, Uh, unless it's a foreign car, you know, like a Nissan or a Honda or something like that, because a lot of those parts are manufactured in the United States as well. Uh, So, you know, you just need to understand that there's a difference in price. And so if I'm taking my 10-year-old car in to have a brake job, I'm going to ask the service advisor, could you quote me uh, OEM and aftermarket? So what if you take your Honda into a, let's say, a Toyota dealership? What are they going to put on your car? Well, unless you tell them, they're going to put aftermarket parts on your vehicle. Um, If you drive in in a Toyota to a Toyota dealership, they're going to put Toyota parts on there unless you ask them to, to put on aftermarket parts. But folks, whenever you're putting on brakes... Okay, whenever you're doing a brake job, when you're replacing the, the pads or the shoes, if you got drum brakes, always use OEM. Uh, my experience over my career has been that uh, you just get a lot better performance overall if you use OEM parts when it comes to brakes. Now, the other stuff, you know, I don't know that it makes all that much difference. However, you know, I've seen some other electronic parts like alternators, um, I've even seen some water pumps that were aftermarket that were just that just didn't hold up, and so uh, I'm gonna I'm just an OEM kind of guy. I mean that's where I'm gonna go if I take like for example I was changing the oil on my Porsche, um, and well I'm not doing it I'm having somebody do it but anyway it's a 2005 model, and they my people in the parts department said uh, do you want us to get a um, new filter on that from Porsche or do you want a filter from you know, advanced auto parts or O'Reilly's or something. I said, you really asking me that question? He said, okay, I'll get Porsche parts. So, you know, they know, and I know that that's basically a, a something I'm just not, I draw the line uh, on any of my cars. I mean, when I'm ordering parts for my Corvair, I get them from Clark's Corvair up in New Hampshire. So I'm, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I can't help it. And you should be the same way. You just got to defend your car. You're the only one that's going to stand up for it. It needs you. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. If you need me for any reason, uh, send me a a text message to 423-552-2020, or you can send me an email to Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, Lawson2020 at gmail.com. And uh, I will see you on Tuesday.